Welcome to episode two of the BCP Cast, the podcast which talks about all things business continuity. I'm James Kanotehulu, and this episode we're talking about a challenge that affects us all. The call for greater diversity in people of different genders, race, sexual orientation and disability is dominating our conversations. There's huge debate about how we can make sure the world we all operate in is more open and fair for everyone. The business continuity profession is no different. How do we strike a balance between attracting and hiring the best people who may not fit the traditional types usually associated with business continuity and simply hiring for the sake of satisfying quotas? The BCP cast went to the 2018 BCI World Conference, where we spoke to several experts about all things BC related. There's no easy answer, so I spoke to Jana Detoni, Kate Needham Bennett, Thomas Kroll, Jessica Barker, Tonya York, and Russ Paramore to see what they make of this challenge. Something that keeps coming up early in our conversations is how these people entered business continuity. Of Jana, Kate, Jessica, and Tonya, none of them came into their current careers intentionally. Take Kate, who looks after business continuity for financial services giant Mastercard. Like most people in this industry, I sort of ended up in it by accident. So Needham's Asian 34 needed a business manager quite suddenly just after I finished my degree. So I stepped in for them. I then stayed with them as business manager for about five years before deciding that I wanted to start specialising in one particular area. So I applied for the resilience planning post at Mastercard and have been with them since January. Jana is CEO and founder of Pantaray, a business resilience consultancy. Before that, she worked at JP Morgan Chase in Italy, where she held a number of operations roles before becoming the bank's resiliency manager. Yet she too had no initial intention of getting involved in BC. Well, in my previous employment was in a major American bank. I, I used to be the technology and operations manager. And after many, many years of you know managing the engine part of the bank, which is back offices and technology and systems development and, and the, the controls part as well, they asked me if I would uh, be on the, the risk resiliency manager. And uh, I was a user of business continuity as technology and operations manager. I became one coordinator of business continuity. And I was hesitant because I thought that, you know, I would lose something because I would specialize in something instead of ever having a generalist kind of management role. Straight away it's clear that a role or career in resilience is not that obvious, or instantly appealing perhaps. I'll admit I had no idea what resilience or business continuity was before I worked at Data Barracks, and it's a similar story for world-renowned cybersecurity expert Jessica Barker. So if I look back to, you know, when I was at school, when I was uh, at university, my first few jobs, nothing to do with cybersecurity, and I would never have thought I would work in this industry. Um, I was interested in human behavior, you know, how we can influence um, behavior and awareness and culture and why people do the things they do. And I've always been interested in in technology uh, with the internet kind of coming along in my early teenage years. But as I say, I never thought I would work in cybersecurity. I was one of those people that thought it was really technical. And then I was headhunted for a cybersecurity firm. 
I was finishing my PhD, which was kind of looking at the growth of the internet economy and the influence that has had on us socially. And they suggested that the kind of work I was doing could be applied to cybersecurity. So I googled what is cybersecurity, <laughs> and uh, I thought this is interesting. Read a lot about it, you know, did some training, and eventually took the job. And then it took a year or so before things like fully fell into place, and I realised humans have such a role in cybersecurity and psychology and sociology and communication and human behaviour is really fundamental to it as a subject. As we'll hear, this lack of engagement and awareness at an early stage is a recurring problem. It seems to be hampering younger people who are still in education from considering business continuity as a primary career. Tonya York, a practitioner in the US for over 20 years across different sectors, agrees. Well, I mean, I, I know that there are some specific programs at universities. Um, I, too, was fell into by accident. My observation from the gender perspective, and this is based on my experience in the United States, not, not uh, globally, is that because in the United States the industry was driven from finance, so there was the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act in 1974, I think, and it, it said in the United States data is a asset and you have to protect it, right? And then that really spoke to IT organizations. That meant you had to back up your data. And then, you know, in order to, if you have the data, but you can't read the data, so then you need to back up your data centers, blah, blah, blah. And so in that field of finance, very male-dominated, right? So male-dominated in finance, then male-dominated in IT. So you know, you, you see the evolution of why that has happened in the, in the United States. And then there doesn't seem to be a big effort to draw people, young people, into the industry. And, you know, I would think it would be best addressed if it was a discipline of study within, you know, business administration or something like that. And this wasn't just a problem 20 years ago. Kate, who was relatively early in her career in business continuity, had the same experience. It's also in great part due to awareness of it as an option. When you leave school, when you leave university, business continuity is, generally speaking, not high on most people's agenda. You know, you think, oh, do I want to go into I don't know, law or become a chef or um, I don't know, become a physio or an engineer? Or You know, there's set roles or path that you might consider going down. I don't think anyone that I knew ever had sort of business continuity, resilience or risk management or crisis management presented to them as an option. Um, so if we can do some sort of outreach and show them that this is an avenue that you can go down as a first career rather than happening to come into it from IT or from operations or facilities, then you're gaining a wider audience earlier on, um, and you will get a more diverse working group. This isn't just a problem in the BC industry. Jessica thinks there's definitely a stigma about the information security industry, which may put off potential applicants. It's a really big question, I think, to try and consider why we lack diversity. In cybersecurity, it's something we've, we've been aware of, we have conversations of, and I think it's a it's a big problem because it's so multifaceted. There's no one cause. So one thing is probably the image of it. Um, like I say, I would not have expected to work in this industry. It's not something I would have picked out for myself. 
So we have an issue with communicating the diversity of job roles, the fact that there's so many different things you can do in the industry. I think um, we see a big drop off of um, girls being interested in uh, STEM subjects around about high school age. And so there's probably some peer pressure stuff going on there that people aren't aware of even, where they kind of think, oh, this isn't for me, I'm going to focus on other stuff, my friends are no longer interested in this stuff. So we're losing people at that age. Um, and I think it's, it's probably stuff like that that makes it harder for people to see their career in this industry. And then once you're working in a role, we need to make um, jobs like business continuity, cybersecurity, more accessible for people that want to move sideways, you know, that want to move into a different industry. They might have a marketing background or um, a background in psychology or communications or whatever it might be. And that's not just going to be women, it's going to be all sorts of people that are then interested in, oh, okay, this is a growth area, business continuity, maybe I can learn about that. Um, why don't I give that a go? So making pathways into our industries more accessible, I think, is really fundamental. And there's another problem here. There are generalizations about business continuity that are simply not true. A role in security is traditionally associated with men. There's maybe an implied physical aspect. Kate and Jana believe this misconception is influencing potential candidates to look elsewhere when they could be perfectly suited. In particular, I think, from my perspective, women tend not to go for security-related roles, um, and often business continuity comes under security, or corporate security. So it's rebranding what security is in a corporate environment and showing that it is applicable to anyone. You do not have to have been in the forces or something like that. You don't have to have strength in physical characteristics. You have to be interested in the topic, um, and you have to have a passion for it. Absolutely. A big misunderstanding in this profession, especially, is that you react to crises in business continuity. That's not true. I mean, we are strategists. We get people prepared to react to strategies. You don't have to have muscles or know how to use a weapon. or You don't do that. In business continuity, you really are somebody who prepares the whole organization for potential disruption. When the disruption occurs, everybody's ready. It's not that the, the woman in business continuity has to uh, escalate, dig a, a hole or you know rescue people. That's not our role. And sometimes the emergency role is confused with the preparedness uh, role. You know, women in business continuity can do very well because it's all about uh, preparing strategies and, and setting up the best solutions and the best alternatives in case of a crisis. I'm not saying that women wouldn't do good in the, in the emergency function as well, but what I'm saying is that too often it's misunderstood as a discipline that you need to be lucid, and my God, women are never lucid, you know, they get hysterical and anything happens, which is not my experience, by the way, whenever I've seen a crisis, I've seen women being very, very calm and men going you know, it's a, it's a personal thing. It's not that it can happen to a woman, it can happen to a man. So basically, the, the big misunderstanding is that you need to be an ex-army uh, official or you, you need to have um, ICT experience, you know, because uh, it's all computers. This is nothing about computers, in my opinion. 
you need to understand technology. But the funny thing is that this is a discipline that requires your brain. It requires your personal effort. It requires that you look at the potential disruption and find solutions. It's the only risk that can't be put in um, mathematics, uh, statistics, or, you know, you can't put some formula in a computer and then press the button, you have the answer. This is not the case. And it's funny because in an, in an era where artificial intelligence and robots are going to replace so many human beings, this is a discipline that requires you as a human being and your ability and your efforts, and people are resisting it. Like, they're always looking for computers to resolve, you know? which is crazy. We should be happy. We have something that still needs us. So we've heard some of the problems, which is part of the battle. But what can we do about it? We've all heard the saying that perception is reality. So how can we change the perception that business continuity is solely the domain for men? Does anyone foresee more diversity coming into the industry? I do foresee it if we all make the effort, basically as any other business, you know, the diversity issue has been helped, let's say, by the fact that people made the effort. Because if you expect the people that are currently holding their positions to just stand up and leave you their chair, it's going to be very difficult to have diversity. And also, you know, I don't believe in diversity where you put in a board one person, one uh, different perspective, one woman, one black person, one disabled, and you will change the world. One won't change it. So you have to look at the world. You have to look at the world is not made of old um, white men. The, the world is made by men and women, etc. So diversity, it's uh, really achieved through a fair understanding of what the planet uh, looks like. Now, the good news is that when you achieve it and you make the effort and you do it, maybe even if you're not convinced, then you gain so much wealth, you know, because the a diverse environment, it's a wealthy environment. And I would hate to see a board of all women. I would not sit in a board of all women. I would not sit in an office of all women. I need the other's perspective as also all uh, English people or all Italian people, it's not wealthy. So people start gaining and, uh, you know, growing and uh, improving and learning more if we input the diverse part and everything is beneficial for the profits, for the knowledge of people. So the good news is that you, if you do it, even if you do it because there is an imposition to do it, you have to make the effort, then you are so happy with the results that, you know, people can tell you the story if they've done it. But it's difficult to convince certain people to just stand up and leave their chair. Jana makes the point that diversity for diversity's sake is not the answer. Forced quotas will not solve this problem. The people in the room should reflect the world to bring together different viewpoints. That's how you reach the best answers. Tonya has similar thoughts. I'm a half Mexican female. When I first started in business continuity, it was a very long time ago, and I would be probably one of maybe 20 women in a room, right? So it felt very awkward. And in the United States, there's been more diversity in terms of gender diversity, in terms of diversity of style, of uh, racial background, religion, and 
I think that there's uh, more diversity. Um, I personally, when I'm in a leadership role, I pride myself on being diverse. So I have a history of having very diverse points of view. Because my view is, as a team in an organization, it's important for me to have people around me who are very different than me, and that together we make kind of a whole person, right? Or a whole. So we bring a lot of different viewpoints and experiences together. So as in any kind of endeavor, the more uh, diverse viewpoints and experiences, the better quality you'll get um, in your product or service. This raises a point about who is sitting in the chair, so to speak. If people considering the BC industry cannot see anyone they relate to, particularly in the higher levels, it can make it harder to see themselves in that position. As Kate points out though, there is plenty of time to shape what is still a growing and changing industry. I think there's already been a lot of change. Um, I think we're a fairly young industry that only really started being seen as a department or concept. I think it was late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. So yeah, around 30 years old. And it's changed a lot in that time. It used to be predominantly ex-forces, ex-IT people, mostly male-dominated. I remember even sort of five, six years ago when I first started working in the industry and I would go to events and be one of only one to three women in the room and now I mean you've seen the BCI event here today it's definitely a lot more diverse it's still got a lot of room for improvement though and I think that's what we want to see change is we want the experience and the backgrounds of people um, to be more diverse coming into it there's no point in having someone who has exactly the same background and opinions as you working on the same project you need someone who will challenge you who has different ways of looking at it so like in any other industry, we're just trying to promote that. We'd like to see different skill sets be seen as complementary to this, these job roles. Even now, looking at some of the job specs, the language used, I can't see how what I have done is applicable to it. And yet I'm working in the industry. So I think it has to be made more applicable, more accessible to other people who have transferable skill sets so that they can see what they have done could be applied in this situation. Kate raises a couple of really interesting points here. One being that there should be acknowledgement that times are changing and business continuity is changing with it. The rate of that change? That's up for debate, but it is happening. The other point is about how the industry tries to position itself to potential candidates, about how we need to consider the language we use in job offerings. Are we fueling those misconceptions we mentioned earlier? I think the biggest change will come about with a change in senior leadership that will evolve over time, hopefully. Um, if you can see people relatable to you higher up, you feel like that's something that you could achieve. It's a fairly natural um, phenomenon amongst humans. You know, if you see someone that you think is like you having achieved something that you want to achieve, you then believe you can. If you don't, if you don't have that visibility, then it's almost it's a demoralizer in that you don't think that someone like you can do that, can be that, can achieve whatever it is that you want. So yeah, I think it's, it's got a couple of areas where it could really improve, and I think that that is starting to come to the forefront of people's minds. I think it's been fairly organic up until now, and with the increase of mass media and newsworthy stories and people speaking out that they're not comfortable or they're not happy with how the industry is, it's starting to be seen as something that needs active change rather than simply organic change. 
So as of now, what is changing? Russ Paramore has been in business continuity since 2010 and says there is already an effort on the part of the BCI to reach out to a younger and more diverse demographic. One of the big things that we, we think is really useful is the BCI's mentor scheme. I just had a quick look this afternoon and I think there are currently 79 people showing that they're available to mentor and these are all people with at least an MBCI grade. And there are also probably 100 people that are waiting to be mentored as well. So there's, there's a big demand for that. And, and part of what we've been doing today and, and tomorrow is about getting that message out to people about mentoring, continued professional development, which is through the BCI as well. And all the resources that BCI have, the knowledge hubs, everything that, that is useful to somebody that's just starting in this line of work. And that can be somebody who's straight out of university, or it could be somebody that's been working for 40 years that's just been told, you're now going to do business continuity. Uh, and that happens. So all the resources now are promoted really well through the website. So the BCI are actually really trying to, to get the industry to a good standard and bringing on young people, new people. The mentor scheme didn't exist five years ago, which it, it does now. The membership's growing a little bit now and, and there's been an emphasis on getting younger blood into the into the BC community because it was always a, you know, you've worked here for 40 years, you know the job inside out, now go and do business continuity for the next two years till you retire. And then people were learning a little bit about business continuity and then retiring and then the same was happening again. Now there's a, quite a lot more emphasis on getting new people. So for instance, my, my colleague at work, she came to me straight from university and, and she's just progressed through the mentoring and, and everything else and within 18 months she's, she's eating the European awards and things like that. So, and that's happening more and more with other people now as well. This is really encouraging. Having a mentorship programme available is a great way to give prospects a taste of what this business is like. It opens up the industry to new people. A hundred people ready and waiting to be mentored is really encouraging. Thomas Crowell, a BC practitioner who has worked on projects including the London Olympics, thinks you can already see the fruits of this, not only in terms of age and gender, but nationality as well. I think the demographic's changing. We're sitting here right now at the BCI's World Conference, and uh, I think, interestingly, there's more foreign uh, delegates than British delegates, I understand, this year. Uh, that shows that business continuity is being considered uh, in different ways by cultures and they're willing to support their employees to travel across the world to come to London to a conference. That wasn't the case at a conference like this 10 years ago. It was very much just a British conference for British delegates uh, in the same way there may have been uh, Asian delegates going to an Asian conference and North American conferences with North American delegates now this concept of a world conference I think is really interesting because frankly the companies we operate do span borders. Historically those companies were the large companies that spanned jurisdictions and operated globally. Now interestingly you can get a very small business that is operating globally because technology enables them to do that so they can't afford not to be considering what's going on in different regions of the world, what the different risks are, the different threats, the different regulatory requirements, different cultural challenges of working in different parts of the world, as we were just talking about culture a second ago. 
And I think the other interesting aspect of the demographic change is the age of practitioners. Business continuity for a very long time had been a secondary or tertiary career for a lot of people that have come maybe out of ex-military, ex-blue light services, maybe those that had an IT or operations job, and they'd evolved into doing business continuity work. Now we're seeing a real influx of graduates from specialist uh, degrees in the field of business continuity and they're actually starting to make their own mark in the organizations as they're moving up so that's that's really interesting to see the future coming through i think there is a a better environment for outreach um, at a younger age at the moment so several of the universities have started doing bachelor's degrees in process management risk management and business continuity resilience and I think that will help a lot and that it presents it as an idea a lot earlier on and that then you do end up with a wider group going forward for the entry-level roles and then working their way up rather yeah. than coming in as a second role. So I think that that should change, but there is still room for improvement on it and if we can be part of that outreach and part of that awareness raising, then it seems like a good idea. Yeah. What's great is the obvious passion everyone I've spoken to has for their work in business continuity. Speaking to Kate and Jana, one just starting out in her career, the other experienced, it's clear how challenging and rewarding a career in BC can be. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Um, It's been a feeling of moving across from the jack of all trades to actually starting to specialise in one, um, which I'm loving. Business continuity is, is a specialization for sure, but it's the most generalist specialization in the world because you have to understand the context, uh, know it's very transversal. You go in every area of the organization, so it's very, very interesting. And all the knowledge that I had acquired in my previous role was really beneficial to the new role. So. I think uh, I was very lucky. I really fell in love with the discipline. I like uh, this discipline and I think that the people that get into the discipline, even incidentally, have this big luck because it's a really fascinating uh, discipline. It was a few things that really hooked me were working with different organizations and finding out the differences between them and and why they work as they do. Um, Being able to look at organizational culture was really fascinating. And then with cybersecurity, it is so diverse and it changes. Lots of things about it change rapidly, so the technology um, and some of the challenges we face. So there's always something new to learn, you've got no chance of ever getting bored. And those were the things that really kept me hooked, was realizing you can look at the the malicious actors and think about what drives them, or you can look at um, people in an organization, you're thinking about people's safety as well, and, and kids and their safety online. So there's so many different elements that it's really fundamental to every part of our lives now. And I think that's what's really kept me going and no looking back. <laughs> Talking about it isn't enough though. Kate and Jana are working with the BCI to start making a difference. So very recently the BCI approached six women who work in this industry. We have a mixture of academics, corporates, uh, consultants and asked us if we would be willing to set up a committee of women resilience. Um, And we led our first uh, research session here um, yesterday. It had some very interesting results come out of it and we've taken note of everyone's feedback and opinions. 
it became very obvious that people did have strong opinions on this and that it's something that needs to be discussed further and researched further. I think it would be fairly safe to say it is not a non-issue. So, yeah, I think that going forwards, we'll try and do um, a lot of research, a lot of events to get other people's feedback, opinions, what they want to see change. I know that there is talk about wanting a more diverse landscape at the sort of BC industry and anything that we can do to help change that and help promote diversity is, in my opinion, a good thing. This, I think, has been one of the first steps towards that and it's opened up a lot of discussion. I think that there were previously discussions had between friends, between colleagues, about what they want to change. I don't know that there was an opening before where they could voice those to people who had the power to do change in the industry. Yes, I think that in a short period of time, we just formed this committee. What we have done in a few days, we have made everybody aware of the fact that it's still too much a male-dominated word. And I think it's a big success when I hear people saying, okay, I haven't realized that, you're right, I will make the effort when I, whenever I select people also to try and uh, attract women in the, in the industry. We really believe that uh, in a year's time, when we come back here, we want to see the evolution of our work. So we will actually work in this committee, the, the six women in the committee will try and uh, find out and uh, which women can be eligible for the board and, uh, you know, make sure they propose themselves because, you know, sometimes the problem is that women do not even propose themselves for this kind of position. So we will make sure there will be a number of women that propose themselves for these positions that, uh, you know, uh, then it's uh, more achievable. I'm sure that people will try and uh, support the, you know, the diversity that we're trying to introduce. Thanks for listening to the BCP cast. What did you think? If you found it interesting, give us a tweet at the BCP cast or recommend us to a friend. We'd love to hear from you. There'll be a new episode coming soon, so keep an ear out. Mm-hmm.